0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. It's the March to May as week 17 in the NLL is upon us. We'll speak with Jesse King of the Calgary Roughnecks as they get set to play the second of back-to-back games against the Rush. We'll give some love to Caroline as she gives some love to the Wendy family plus another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. I am an alpha. Jenner and boy have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight
1: for to Jones spinning up top Reza Terrace
2: feeds it in the slot the shot and he scores reared Reardon the hometown boy beats Rylan Hartley Philadelphia Philadelphia's victorious tonight
1: Fishing is Aaron Bold with the goal stick. Mitski down on the turf. McKenna with the ball. Got a man in front. It's Logan. Scores. There's number one for Danny Logan. 35 left to play here in the opening quarter. Panther City looking for their eighth one of the year, which would be one more than last year. Shot. Score! The quick shot. No surprise, Medeiros burying one in transition.
2: Under pressure to find the open player.
1: Connor Kiernan looking for another and deposits that home pass. Jamison as if time stood still for Kiernan. That's number four.
2: Kiernan with the floater to the far corner. It was like he pushed that one over Jamison's shoulder.
0: From behind the Buffalo net, Colorado goes to work. Top of the slot. McLaughlin, quick stick shot, score. Colorado and that one. Was by the rifleman, Tunner Robinson. Wow, that was a rifle.
1: Withers, across shot, they score just like that. My goodness, that was fast. Park Peterson, and once again the birds are up by two. Put it on my tombstone. Face-offs matter. Tried to
2: feed Bomberry out of his reach. Comes behind the net to Miller, now back out. His save made, rebound is put home! Bit of a broken play there, but Zach Miller with the hat trick. And another two-goal advantage here for Georgia, 13 to 11.
1: Now here's Pace with it again. Pace was looking for King dancing through the crease. Cook gets it in the corner, finds King, takes the shot. He scores! Jesse King! Makes it 10 5 roughnecks. Oh, well, they've blown the doors off here late.
0: What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar Podcast. It is officially the March to May. You get it? March, April, May. We're marching to May playoffs. It is just big brain thinking. <laughs> <laughs> He's Pat Gregoire. I'm Teddy Jenner. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast. Or find us on the instas at OTCB podcast. Patty G, what is going on? How is your March Madness bracket?
1: It is absolutely busted. It is a dumpster <laughs> fire. But, 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 but. in. Oh. Both of my brackets that I still have, technically, it's not fully busted because um, three of my four Final Four still alive, and uh, and two of my teams that are in the finals, including the one that I have to win, Alabama, still alive. So there you go. I'm like close to dead last in both, (laughs) but if 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 Alabama wins, I'm there's no way I can win because there's people who are higher than me that have Alabama but yeah. there's still hope I can maybe in the one land in like the top five and maybe get some money. At least maybe get my money back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not great. Not great. That was <laughs> your betting has been going well though. Yeah, betting has been has been good, yeah. but the bracket, not so much.
0: How's your WGC pool going?
1: uh wgc's all right so far kevin kisner lost yesterday i've got him going to the final four um so he's gonna have to Kiz. yeah Kis just he's just a he loves beast. match play he's a beast at match play but yeah. uh got scotty scheffler winning it all he looked dialed yesterday so i know scotty scheffler is the the chalky pick but like his record in match play as well something yeah. stupid like 12-2-1 or or something like that yeah i I love match play it sucks um they're getting rid of this event next year i hate that too i hope they add something different though
0: because uh it's a lot of fun man it's just a different if it's it's a different mindset right you're going head to head with you know a guy for 18 or so holes you got to be dialed you don't get a couple extra rounds to kind of get yourself out of the hole so uh, it's it and you really see which guys kind of have that killer instinct like you said kisner is just a, a machine in these sort of things matt is what tied now with tiger woods for most match play wins like y- you see these guys kind of step up in these moments it, it's kind of cool to see um to the lacrosse as as we do here on this show um big news of the week it is the march to may uh, as we get into week 17, most teams have four or five games left. But then you got a team like San Diego or Georgia that have seven. wild. No. And, you know, it, this kind of leads into the trade deadline talk about is the deadline too early? Is it too late? Are we giving too many teams allowing them to cling to hope that they're going to make the playoffs? So teams aren't wanting to make trades. Uh, I think with Brad that, pose this question on twitter should they push it back like another week or two or does that just give teams more
1: time to kind of get in the hunt Uh, for me it's i i i also think that you got to give these players time to to gel with their new teams Mm -hmm. i think if you kind of have it later Some teams might be reluctant to make a move so close to the postseason, especially on offense. So, I don't necessarily think um, that's the issue. I think where the issue lies is the comp picks and they are, are, you know, within the draft, right? Like, um, teams immediately are starting conversations with, well, it's got to be at least a first or at least a second, whatever it may be, because if I lose this player in free agency, I am um, I know I'm at least getting a first or a right. second or whatever it may be. So I think if we start to lessen those or even get rid of them altogether, you're going to have more teams than willing to, to to make a move. But why would a team trade, you know, for example, let's say Greg Downing. The reason why they trade him is there's a chance Downing might retire at the mm-hmm. end of this year. There's no guarantee. But a player that's, you know, in their mid-30s, uh, or just recently passed, you know, that threshold hold where they can become an unrestricted free agent. Well, yeah, then there's a good chance that you're going to get a, a first round pick for it anyways. So and, and that I think is the big thing. I, I don't know if necessarily it's the time of the year. Because like you said, it could also allow more people to get into the hunt. Yeah. As we see with the standings now, it's just,
0: uh, it is a cluster of teams that are in the hunt and not just for their own division or own conference. That wild card seed is starting to get more and more into play each and every week. There were a few trade deadline deals. Obviously, you know, there were some deals leading up to the deadline that had maybe a little more significance than the trades on Monday. But Reese Dutch goes to Saskatchewan for a conditional second. Greg McIntosh, sorry, Greg McIntosh, Garrett McIntosh to Colorado for a conditional second, and Liam Burns to Philadelphia for a second pick. Obviously, I think the, the big one out of that is Reese Dutch. Um, yeah. he, he tweeted out last night, Uh, Well, Adam Levy tweeted out that Robert Church needs one more for a a milestone assist or a milestone goal. And Dutch is like, oh, I'd love to help with that. So he's already (laughs) fitting in with that group. But what do you think the importance of making that decision was for Derek Keenan? Was it just so that they don't have to go strong left? Or was it, do you think they add a championship player like Reese Dutch? Or is it both?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I think if you can get a guy like that, that without really having to, you know, jeopardize the future of your team, I think you go out and do it. Um, They have a a ton of picks. They can part ways with a second round pick. Uh, It's not really that big of a deal for them or to them. But for me, I, I certainly think the bigger picture thing is, is that now you don't have to rely on going strong lefty because as we've seen, you know, year after year, Mark Matthews plays so much better when the ball is in his stick more often and you only roll, roll with those three righties and the emergence, or sorry, three lefties. And the, the emergence of Clark Walter, I think allows Keenan to at least be a little more trusting that he can play a regular shift and get, yeah. to get more touches. But let's let's not get it twisted. At the end of the day, the carry and the load is going to be on those two other lefties in Keenan and in Matthews. And they're going to get the heavy minutes. They're going to get the power play time. They're going to get the last minute offense, um, the six on five, whatever it may be. It's going to rely on them. But Walter now can also still be a viable option as a number three, I, I believe. Saskatchewan sitting on the outside looking in at five
0: and seven, a full game behind Colorado. Who's at 506 and six? Uh, Garrett McIntosh to Colorado just bolters their defense. I think Noah Labar went down with a bit of a knock. um, So that kind of just fills a hole there. Liam Burns to Philadelphia, a guy that's already been in Philadelphia before. He knows Paul Day, he knows that system. Again, a team that is on, you know, in a playoff hunt, just bolstering their back line. Uh, Do you think both of those deals kind of help those teams or are they just kind of a, a filler spot?
1: I mean, when I look at Philadelphia, I think it certainly helps them. You get a body that's not only a veteran, uh, but a guy that knows that system. Mm-hmm. And and I know it was in the the first inaugural season uh, of that new Wings franchise, um, but he's familiar there. Um, he's a veteran. He's a guy that has logged some serious minutes before. Um, and I think that's kind of like when you look at Philly, they made their big deadline deal you know, a month ago to get Mitch Jones, there was not going to be a trade that was going to have more impact than that. Maybe arguably across the league, to be quite honest. Um, But one thing that you could have maybe thought they could have done was go out and get a veteran defender to add some depth to a defense that is getting better and better as the season progresses. Um, But you don't need to now have like rely on Trevor Baptiste and IDA to play those big minutes, um, nearly as much as you you were like a couple of weeks ago now Macintosh. anytime you can add a, a guy who plays a heavy game a gritty game but also can you know push and transition um you know colorado that's 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 their game right yeah. if they're gonna win a championship it's gonna be on dylan ward and it's gonna be on their defense so why not add another piece like that especially for a low price of a second rounder were you surprised
0: it was Liam Burns that moved though? Cause he seemed like a regular guy for Tracy Kluski in Panther city. You know, he, he, played 12 of 13 games, chipped in five points, 52 loose balls, um, nine cost turnovers. Like this is a guy that, that plays steady minutes. Um, maybe the emergence of Medeiros in that transition game kind of made him expendable. Um, it was kind of a bit of an interesting move. Maybe Ryan McLean's getting healthier and Ronan push might see some minutes. Uh, so it was kind of maybe a bit of a head scratch that he was the guy that they moved, but obviously Philadelphia wanted their guy. They got their guy. Um, and you know, the the three deals that were done weren't block best by any means, but I think we've all come to accept that when it comes to the NLL trade deadline, it is going to be a lot of, a lot of sad trombones, and just a whole lot of hype and anticipation, and then a whole lot of disappointment. Um, we did, we like I said, we did get some moves earlier leading up to it. Um, but we all want to see chaos when it comes to the deadline. We all want to see, you know, our phones blowing up with deals and trades and speculation. And there were some floating around. You know, uh, Uncle Frank Eric Finell's name was being thrown, or sorry, Austin Shanks' name was being thrown around uh, as a possible trade option but his his work commitment kind of threw some teams in limbo they, they weren't sure that they wanted to take that on especially for the asking price Kyle Killen's asking price and Keegan Ball's asking price were way too high so uh team sat Pat uh, let's see how they finish over these next four weeks um Buffalo has officially clinched at, quote unquote after further review um Toronto can clinch a playoff spot with a win at Albany San Diego. Can clinch a playoff berth with two wins at Panther City and at home versus Buffalo. And Albany can be eliminated with a loss versus Toronto and a Halifax win and either a Colorado win or a Saskatchewan. So we're starting to pare down. Um, you think both Toronto and San Diego clinch or the San Diego? San Diego obviously has a tough road, they got to win
1: two. I think the more likely is, is Toronto. I'd be shocked if Toronto doesn't doesn't beat Albany. Um, I mean, just, just look at last, what, two weeks ago, I guess it would have been. Um, Albany gave them a great game. They gave them all they could. And just Toronto in that fourth quarter kind of took over. Um, you look at the betting odds, Toronto's a minus three and a half favorite. They're Ooh. minus 357 on the money line. And yes, I know any given... Um night an NLL team can come out with a win. But Toronto's coming off a, a really tough loss against Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, we might maybe see Challen Rogers back in the lineup. I know he was close, um, but they elected to to keep him out, not force things. Mitch Desnew is still a little while away. Chris Corbeal, I think, um, maybe we see him with one or two regular seasons, uh season games left. I think that happens. San Diego, don't get me don't get me uh, twisted here, but like, I, could they go two and zero for the weekend? Yes, absolutely. That's t- that's a tough ask. You're yeah, playing it sure is. you're playing a Friday night at Panther City, and the next day you come home to a hungry mm-hmm. Buffalo team sitting there waiting for you. Really difficult situation for them. Um, so I think the obvious is Toronto. But San Diego wouldn't surprise me. And boy, would that not be a huge, huge confidence boost for those guys going 2-0 on a difficult stretch. Basically, like essentially wrapping up at least home floor advantage, you got to assume yeah, for at least the, the first game. But it could be an absolute game changer if they drop two and go 0-2, don't click, clench. And all of a sudden Calgary. Oh boy. Calgary's nipping at your heels now. Yeah. Um, they got Panther city and Buffalo
0: this weekend. And then they go Calgary, Vegas, Colorado, Vegas, Colorado to end their schedule. So it's not easy for San Diego down the stretch. This is a massive weekend. Um, a buddy of mine texted me, Mike McClellan, um, just joking around and said, are the Toronto Rock pulling an Akita Kucherov with Chris Corbeal <laughs> and just saving them for the playoffs. I don't think there is a minimum game. Um, ask like in the Canadian summers where, you know, a guy has to play three or four games with you before he can be eligible for playoffs. I think he just has to be on your official roster.
1: Well, we found out in the man cup that actually isn't the case. Remember um, oh, they didn't right. play. They They didn't hit their minimum because right. they were placed on the IRR. And I do believe that is the same. Obviously we'll have to cross-reference the rules, but my understanding is that, you know, if you're on that IR for the entire season and don't play a regular season game, you do not have to uh, play a game in the regular season. You can come back for the postseason. So that's a question we probably should have asked Mr. Lemon in the NLL before this podcast uh, hit record. But again, um, if you ask the Rock, though, um, Matt Zuer said he would love to get Corbeil yeah. into a game uh, rather than just throwing him into the fire. And He understands he's going to be fine, uh, but this is a team that he's never played with before. Um, there's guys on the floor that he's never played with before, uh, and Corbeil obviously, you know, he's itching to get back. But at the same time, they're not going to rush him and just get him into a game so he can feel things out. If he's ready, he'll be there. If he's not. You're waiting until the postseason, basically.
0: Week 16, quick recap. Calgary and San Diego win to keep pace at the top of the West. Georgia, maybe a bit of an upset over Philadelphia, but the Swarm have won four of five, uh, almost five of five. You take out that wild 19-18 game. Uh, You mentioned Halifax taking one over the Toronto Rock to get them back into the playoffs. New York beats Albany 13-10. The Firewolves just continued this tailspin. Buffalo loses at home to Colorado, uh, just kryptonite, Mammoth in Buffalo, 13-8 for Colorado, Panther City beats Vegas, 11-8, and then Philadelphia gets a win on the weekend in overtime as Blaze scores the winner, Uh, what a phenomenal game that was, like, look at, other than... The the San Diego Vancouver game where it was a seven goal spread, maybe the Calgary Saskatchewan where was a five goal spread. One goal, two goals, three goals, five goals, four goals, one goal. Like everything is within reach every single weekend, whether you're at the top of the table or the bottom of the table. It is just the best lacrosse of the season right now, and teams are playing out of their minds. One of the bigger stories maybe over the weekend, and it might have had to do with St. Patty's Day, um, we say at the end of every broadcast, friends, lacrosse, beers, it is the perfect combination. And there were some incredible attendance numbers across the board this weekend, including
1: 17,000 in Calgary it was amazing man to see the crowds uh, you know it was raucous uh, the seats were filled you mentioned calgary those numbers were great uh what was it F- you know 15 plus mm-hmm. in land. um halifax sent you know set their record attendance that they broke already this year the nest was rocking man it was the it, it was an amazing amazing atmosphere and then even The Warriors, the the Warriors who are, you know, all but eliminated from contention. Um, Yeah, $5 beers probably helps. Um, Yeah, St. Patty's Day probably helps. Yeah, San Diego littered with tons of BC guys certainly probably helps as well. But still, for that fan base to still come out and, you know, break a season high uh, record attendance for their team this year. Awesome. kudos, kudos. Kudos to those four teams uh, and their fan bases for showing up on such a big weekend.
0: Yeah, it was phenomenal to see all weekend, just the, the fans coming out. You're right. St. Patty's day definitely helps $5 beers definitely helps, but man, the numbers that are coming into the arenas and the amount of fans that are coming back to games um, is just one of the reasons the sport is so damn great. Um, I kind of teased a little bit earlier and we were talking about this in in one of our group chats Um, is, is Medeiros the under the radar breakout player of the year?
1: I think not only is he underrated breakout player of the year, but I also think he might be sneakily putting himself in transition player of the year uh, finalist range. I still think this is that couriers award to lose. Um, Mitch just knew obviously going down with injury doesn't help and it sounds like you know he could be out for quite some time now as well but (laughs) I mean the, the what we have seen over the last stretch of the what four or five weeks um from Medeiros like He is such a game changer on that back end. And there's a lot of under the radar guys um, on that team and the way that their defense plays, it's very blue collar and don't really care about getting recognition. Well, this guy certainly is separating himself from that pack, still has that blue collar mentality, uh, but is showing that he is becoming, you know, one of the top transition guys for this year's season. And he's just been a pleasure to watch.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, I I was a transition guy, so I always have a soft spot for those types of players. But when you look at the run that he's gone, you know, he he just got a second hat trick in five games this past weekend. Uh, He's got, what's that, three, six, eight, ten goals in his last five games. Like, for a transition guy that, that never really had a lot of hype around him, he's really gotten comfortable into speed and Steven tolls defense and playing a very speed and Steven toll <laughs> yeah. kind of lacrosse. So it, it's been fantastic to see. And, and you're right. I think he might kind of get, I don't want to call them sympathy votes, but I think he might get some votes now that this ha- has gone down um, and get into that top three finalists. And, and what an honor that would be for Medeiros just after, you know, kind of, Toiling in mediocrity in this first couple years in the National Cross League. So um keep it up. That that's awesome to see. And and he's a big reason why Panther City is sitting comfortably in that third hole in the NLL West and and looking to make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. They're, you know, what's that? Uh the game behind Calgary and San Diego's got a couple games in hand on them. So um things could change quite drastically over the next couple weekends and panther city could find themselves maybe even climbing up the standings if materials and that team continue to play the way they do um all right thumbs up thumbs down uh, yours is the best of the week so i will give you the floor
1: sir uh so if you've been on twitter um there's certainly a good chance that you've seen it and this is you know one of the things that i you know absolutely love about little cross community when when someone's down and out um you know little cross community is always always there um to lend a helping hand and and this week if you've seen on on twitter um a young lady caroline uh, a georgia swarm fan decided to start this initiative called hashtag score for avery Maybe, Teddy, we might be able to actually put the, the audio here from the video because she, she does such a great job of explaining it.
2: Hi. My name is Caroline. I'm 11 years old, and I like to play lacrosse. My dad taught me that if I want to play lacrosse, I have to respect the traditions. Lacrosse is called the medicine game because it helps people heal. And if you notice on my stick, it has AW for Avery Wendy, and it's the same on my dad's. We want to make a donation to our nearest children's hospital for every time I score a goal. And we want you to try to do the same. Every goal you score, you donate to a children's hospital. If you're in high school, college, or NLL. We want to remember Avery and help the Wendy family heal. Thank you.
1: So if that's not enough, you can go to, um, I believe it's her father's um twitter account detective pat you can see that there so um awesome awesome job by her um and and of course her her dad for for teaching the roots of the game and and the healing power of the games we want to give obviously a lot of love and and send positive vibes to the wendy family for for, you know the rough stretch that they've had Mm -hmm. um but we're here Uh, Caroline's here and uh, I certainly I'm not a player anymore um, so I can't really donate for goals and even if I did unfortunately it wouldn't be a ton of goals (laughs) or a ton of money anyways for my goals but what I will do is I want to hear what uh, Avery's final um, total is for her lacrosse season Uh, and I would love to to make a donation off of her Goal totals because this is such an unreal um a great initiative uh that that she and her dad has started and um it's the reason why i love lacrosse community man
0: how about uh you and i combined we match what she raises deal. deal sounds great to me perfect um my thumbs up um obviously a little different um but when i was watching the colorado buffalo game we all know how intense that rivalry is. We all know how important those games mean to both those clubs, especially now late down the stretch in Colorado, trying to sort of regain their spot and get into a playoff picture in that fourth quarter. Um, Colorado was down a man and Buffalo was pressing, trying to get back in that game. And I think Warren Jeffrey blocked a shot, might have even blocked both of them, but another defender blocked the second shot as as Dylan Ward was kind of scrambling back on the net. And it, it ended up going to a TV timeout and it was such a momentum builder. And it was such a big moment that everybody on the defensive side of the Colorado mammoth bench came off the bench onto the turf and was given helmet pats and hand pounds and and butt taps, stick taps, whatever you want to their teammates. And that is to me, a sign of a team that believes that they can still compete and still make a run at this. And that is a team that believes in each other, believes in themselves, and it just goes a long way to continually support their brothers. I just thought it was a really cool moment in that game, the impact that it had at that time and everything that it meant as Buffalo was trying to get back in that game. Obviously, we know Dylan Ward is going to be the backbone of that group and he's going to lead them as far as he can go. But when you get guys sacrificing and jumping in front of balls and diving in front of shots and sacrificing their body, everybody buys into that. So I just thought it was an excellent showcase of a team doing all that they can and a team that believes in their brothers. And it was just a really cool moment for Colorado for me, just to see them kind of will themselves to that win and will themselves over their arch rival, one of their arch rivals in the Buffalo Bandits.
1: Thumbs down. Go. Thumbs down to the NLL and the schedule makers. No Sunday lacrosse this week. We were treated to a couple of weekends in a row afternoon on the east coast here morning well, for you guys on the west coast the best my take and i was going to use this as a uh a hot take or a burning take for this week for coast to coast but it's not a burning take it is a great take and I think everyone <laughs> would agree it's with that so it is facts as soon as the nfl season is done in february Each week, the NLL should have a Sunday game, whether it's Sunday, early afternoon, late afternoon, mid evening, or even a late night Sunday game, a Sunday night lacrosse. The opportunity to have eyeballs on the game from a national standpoint with ESPN, TSN, or heck, even TSN Plus and ESPN Plus. There's an opportunity and the NHL, has done it for many years. And it has been, you know, when when that NBC sports contract uh, was first signed, that was one of the big kickers. It was all the games would be on NBC Sports Network, but also there would be, you know, national TV on NBC itself. And that helped the growth over the last couple of years. Now ESPN, we're, we're seeing it a little bit more as well. So for me, Sunday, fun day, lacrosse, absolutely mandatory as soon as the NFL season is over. I couldn't agree
0: more. My hot take kind of is the opposite of what we're talking about with uh, beers, friends, and lacrosse. Where the hell are the lacrosse fans in Fort Worth? It is just like I played on a really, really bad first-year team in Anaheim. And we didn't get fans at all. It was a struggle bus every single weekend to try to get fans in that arena down in Anaheim. Dickey's Arena is a world-class arena. Everyone that we've talked to just raves about that facility and how beautiful that spot is and the sight lines. But the fans just do not want to come out. And it's heartbreaking to see all the hard work that these men are putting in to become a playoff team and become a contender in their second year, and they can't get more than a reported 2,300 fans inside that arena. The camera people didn't do them any justice on the broadcast by doing a full wide pan and showing end zone shots and things like that. Just so you could see how truly empty the arena was. (sighs) I hate to be that guy, and I know other people have said it. I just do not know how much longer they can stay in Fort Worth if it continues to be like this, especially if they're going to be a team that's going to be contending in the playoffs. Like, what if these guys somehow, what if Panther City somehow gets a home playoff game and they have to play in front of a 1,000 fans on national television?
1: It will well, look
0: I, ridiculous.
1: Well, I hope at that point a championship run is maybe able to inject some life into this this city into this fan base. But uh, again, I, we're not there. We don't have boots on the ground. Uh, we, we can't say anything if, if the marketing's not right or if if it's just a tough city to to sell sports. I know there's a lot TC the down there. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So for. But I mean, thank goodness for that play up uh, sponsorship. Um, <laughs> just quite lucrative, and again, that's that's just shout out for the for the sponsorship and ownership for getting that done because I yeah. think that's obviously alleviating some some stresses about ticket sales. But um, yeah, man, I don't know, I don't know. I, I really am curious to see where this goes next year. Um, I don't even want to think about that situation that no. you just said. I hope they literally like hand out tickets and just like force people inside the building if it ever came to that, but, but
0: you're not making any revenue really that way. You're just getting butts no, seats. I, which, I, no, I
1: no, I'm absolutely. I totally understand. And, and that's obviously a concern that even if a, if a championship run can't motivate this, this fan base to get out, I don't know what will. So their home <sighs> average
0: is 2,900. And honestly, I, I think you would agree with me. That's maybe being a little generous
1: very generous
0: yeah so um the complete opposite end of that spectrum was seventeen thousand strong in calgary this weekend the roughnecks knocked off the rush they'll play them again this weekend captain jesse king has been a big part of their success and he's really rounding into form as not only a number one scoring option but the number one leader for that roughnecks team he and i go one on one this week right here on the off the crossbar podcast Joined now by the captain of the Calgary Roughnecks, Jesse King. Kinger, how are you, man? I'm good, Teddy. Always happy to be here and have yeah, a good chat. Absolutely. So We're uh, enjoying some beautiful weather on the West Coast. Are you excited to go to balmy Saskatoon?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was looking at the weather today and I think it's like minus 15 there right now. So eventually we'll go somewhere where it's nice and warm. The following weekend, we're in San Diego. So hoping that we got some nice weather there as well Uh, i'm sure it'll be nice and sunny down there um
0: obviously you guys are playing some incredible across right now what's the mood with this group knowing that you guys are really putting a good thing together
2: yeah i think we're just like trying to continue to not be satisfied at where we're at where we are you know we went on uh we started winning those games. I think we won like three or four in a row there or three in a row or something. And I feel like we kind of got a little bit complacent when we headed down to Vegas and then, uh, went up against, a you know, determined Vegas team that kind of, you know, put us through the blender a little bit and set us back maybe a little bit of a step. Um, so it was really nice to come out the following weekend and just rebound and, you know, play a really good Colorado team in a place that's extremely hard to play in Colorado. And uh, and really get a good win there. And then uh, playing in front of, you know, 70,000 fans last weekend at home for St. Patty's Day was something special as well. So I think that if we can just keep our attitude as never satisfied and, you know, continue to get better in this, you know, last like third of the season here is going to be really important for us.
0: You mentioned the crowd in Calgary this past week. And was that the biggest regular season crowd you'd ever played in front of?
2: Uh, probably pretty close. I think when we won in 2019 or even last year, the St. Patty's day game is always, is always crazy. So, yeah. um, it was definitely, definitely out there. I will say that that's for sure. If not one, maybe two, but, uh, yeah. it's hard sometimes when it gets that full, it's like hard to tell which one's more sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, we're really lucky. We're really fortunate in Calgary for, for, the you know community kind of band together and around us we've got some guys in market there in calgary that do a really good job getting out and about and um you know coaching those elevate teams and then you know zach and and harry and dan do a good job just going to like other little community events so it's really cool to see it all kind of come together and when the families can fly out for those big games i know that Delbs had a pretty big family uh out and friends out for that game as well. So it's it's nice when a lot of guys are from Vancouver and it's just an easy flight to get to Calgary. Uh
0: obviously Delves you said it had a big crowd on hand, but is he a bit of a bust? He didn't have uh, an assist this past weekend. What's going on?
2: <laughs> I don't think that those things go together very well. Um <laughs> you know, Delves is a, a guy that over the last couple of years has you Know, really come into his own, into his, uh, as a goaltender. And, you know, he's, he's the back, he's the MVP of our team. He's the guy that holds us all together, Hold does a really good job holding us all accountable, um, throughout the week and on game day. So it's always really great to see him get rewarded for those, you know, aspects. And when he can get, you know, assists and get us going on the back end, it's, uh, it definitely lights a little fire under and gets you excited. And you can see it in him too, because he, you see when he makes a save and he picks that ball up and it's like immediately in his stick and he's just like in that you know athletic stance to already get the ball out. It's like man, like Christian is dialed right now. So those things just get you. They get you amped up during the game. You like to celebrate those little things and see that body language from guys, especially like a leader from Christian. So um, I I don't doubt we ha- I don't think we've seen his last assist for the season. So. <laughs> you're
0: you're finally healthy, and we kind of talked about it earlier in the year. It, you know you're starting to finally play full seasons of lacrosse, which has been a while for your NLO career. What's it like for you now being healthy, but also you know being one hundred percent within this group every weekend leading this this team?
2: yeah, it's it's really self, uh, you know, it really helps with that self help with your mind. You know, it's it's nice to always like speak, talk the talk, and like when you're on the sidelines, you can do as much talking as you want, and you can do all the work behind the the scenes that nobody sees. But nobody really sees how much work you put in until you step on that floor. So it's nice to go out there and lead by example and. Um, you know, for myself, it, it helps so much with my confidence of every week, you know, feeling a little bit better, feeling a little bit better, having more trust within yourself, um, to make moves that you generally wouldn't make on the floor and go and make plays that you generally wouldn't make. Um, cause getting injured, like obviously there's the the physical aspect of it where, you know, you don't want to take a step cause your foot hurts or, you know, your knee hurts or whatever, but then when you get to that hundred percent, it's like, Hey, okay, now I have this like ingrained into my brain where like, I can't make this step because like, I'm too slow to go one way or like too slow to go another. And it's so hard to overcome that like subconscious nature of like knowing that like, I can't make that step because I've had injuries in the past too. Okay. Like I just got to do it and commit to it. And I'm, I'm still seeing it more and more often with myself and how I'm playing, but you know, at the end of the day, the, the support that I've had around me is, has tremendous from, you know, my, the players on my team to the coaches to, you know, my family members and my friends around me who always believed in me. And it is, it definitely helps with the confidence moving into, uh, especially into these late stages of season where, you know, you have to be at your best and you still feel your best. So it's, uh, it is very self-rewarding and uh, it's exciting. I'm very excited to continue this on with what we've got going on in our locker room and on our team.
0: And obviously over the past few years, you know, the team has lost Berg and Dixon and Dobie. Now you've stepped up into that leadership role. Have you noticed yourself changing in that role?
2: Yeah, you, you definitely kind of change and it's not like, I don't even know it, like without the role aside, like as you get older, it just kind of something that, you know, if it's within your personality and it fits, then you kind of like, it just happens. We have so many guys in our team that, you know, joined our team when they are relatively young and now they're like 24, 25, 26. And you can, you, it's just so cool to see how much they've grown and how much they've changed um, in their own. So I would say that it's the same kind of addition for me is, you know, I've got to be around so many people that are so successful as players and as leaders. And then, you know, as family members, that they kind of just like rub off on you like doves is like an ultimate like such a good family guy with his family he's got a home Dix is you know such a big competitor and like those like different aspects of their games that can rub off onto you it's it's so helpful so then now you have like a different dynamic in our locker room where you know we don't have like one of those like big all-star guys and it kind of just like everyone just kind of rubs off on you so it's uh it's a super humbling experience, especially to know that like if you ask every guy on our offensive side of our ball, we know that we're built from the back end up. And I don't think we would have in any other way, because if we can support them as much as they support us, I would consider that us doing our job. So um, it's been a, it's been a really fun transition to kind of grow into this role and you know, see yourself change a little bit as far as like, you're a little bit more conscious of what you're saying. You're a little bit more like, Oh, I just heard somebody say that. That's like really interesting or really intriguing and how you can actually take that information and apply it into your game. It's, it's a lot harder to, to do that than just saying it. Right. So, um, growing into this role has been that. it's been so much fun. And I just, I've always felt so supported and that's one of the main reasons that our team has been so successful is because we support each other.
0: You guys were obviously quiet at the deadline, but the addition of Josh courier in the first half of the first part of the season, <clears throat> it really has changed you guys because it's given you some consistency on that right side. What's been the biggest boon in his
2: addition to your club? Yeah, Josh, the nice thing about Josh is um, he's still such a student of the game. And like he you come onto our offense where we're a little bit more structured than a lot of teams are. We have a little bit more structure to how we're built and how our defense is built, um, which like for me, it falls right into my 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 game where like I like to be a little bit structured sometimes so that you can kind of keep that pace of the game. But Josh has kind of come into this, um, all wholeheartedly and just like accepted the whole fact. And he's, he's done a really great job. And the other part of that is like, Josh is a guy who we, we don't like, not to say we don't have a lot of like really good outside shooters, but Josh has a fantastic shot from the outside and he can pick those corners. He's deceptive. Um, and then you also add like that gritty factor of him being able to, you know, go underneath or take a guy one-on-one that is like really smart enough to take a guy one-on-one, but then also acknowledge that, Oh, there's a double coming. So I need to, you know, back off, make one pass, make another one. And then we score because he, he has that full capability as well. Um, I think his confidence has kind of started to really shoot up, which is really great to see with anybody. Um, I think that comes from, again, the guys that we have surrounding us on our offense that are pumping him up. And then, you know, the defensive side, obviously his brother's back there. So having him always pumping him up, I think he's in a really good place right now. And I think he's excited to be here. So, well, I know he's excited to be here. So it's, uh, I was really happy with the addition because um, not only is he such a good lacrosse player, but again, he's just such a good person to have in the locker room. Calgary's always sort of been an organization
0: that likes to have brothers within the fold. Obviously you were there with Marshall last year, but now Zach and Josh are together. How do you, how do you explain their dynamic as brothers? Cause it's a bit of a, a different one with them.
2: I don't, I don't know. Like it's different, but there's so many similarities that I see as well, cause they're obviously like very different people in their own minds with their respective careers. Um, but like I, I have lunch with them like almost every weekend. We like our thing is I actually end up going to lunch with the two of them. And it's just so funny to see the way they eat and like the way that they like talk to each other. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know if that was Josh or Zach because I didn't see them. But uh, you know, at the same time, like they, they live very differently. Where Zach, you know, has obviously been with the NL, or with the NLPA and um you know, playing for the water dogs in the, in the summer and doing all this stuff that's lacrosse based working for warrior. And then, you know, Josh has got his own business back in Peterborough, um, which is really cool. You know, he's got a, a house on the Lake. So it's uh it, it's so interesting, their dynamic, but it is really cool because they both really support one another. And I think that you know, obviously coming from a brother, that comes kind of naturally. But you can kind of see it, and it's it, it's inspiring. So it's uh, it's it's so awesome to see, and I'm really happy for both of them.
0: You talked about the intricacies of your offense, and Kurt Miloski is one of the best <laughs> X's and O coaches in the league. And any chance we get to see your guys shoot arounds, you guys are very meticulous about going through your offense systematically, and on strong left and strong right, and this play and that play how hard is it to kind of come into that offense and learn it and and keep up with everything that Kurt employs?
2: Yeah. It's, it's not an easy task, especially, um, you know, a guy like kind of just to relate back to Josh, like he came in and had to kind of like a lot of teams run very similar. um, I would say like structured pieces, but you know, the way that most, uh, his mind work is when he watches a game, he sees something and he's like, Oh, like they didn't mean to do that on the floor, but this could be something that is like actually structured and can be used. And, um, it it can be very difficult at the start. And I think that as guys progress and, you know, a lot of teams will practice. And as far as what I've heard from practices, like they're not all that intense, but like Kurt runs a pretty tight ship in our practices on, you know, the night before games. And I think that that's, has a lot to do with why, because we are so structured as we do need that practice time, or, you know, we might not all be on the same page come, uh, game, the game day. Um, so, you know, even, even myself and like guys in the offense, like we still sometimes go out to run a play and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I totally didn't do that. Right. Or we'll call something and then we'll end up doing something else. Like there was two or three times in the last game that I was talking to Pacer and I was like, we just ran the wrong play and still scored. So like, I don't really know (laughs) what what happened. And it's just like, the thing is, is they all like are very similar and they're all Mm set up very similar, but like there, it's also like you could, there's so many like different intricacies or like factors that could lead to the same, you know, goal in the end. And as long as you can read the situation and react on time, you're going to end up making the right play. It's when you don't, that ability to like read the situation or the ability to like just follow through with the play, then that's when things kind of get a little hokey. But, um, I, I really love it. I do love it because there's always a, a next step to where you can go or what you can do as an offense. And that makes it a really easy on us. And I think that when we do get those opportunities to be a little bit more, um, you know, free will and play free ball and kind of just go out and swing the ball. Is that you still end up seeing, you know, similar like sets on accident because that's just like how your brain meticulizes that information as you end up just doing it because that's what you were taught to do. So, it uh, it helps guys learn the game so well, and it's helped me learn the game so well. And now I see things that I potentially wouldn't have seen in the past, all because you know the coaching job that we have on our on our team. Are you becoming a better student of the game, under most? <laughs> yeah, I think everybody does, to be honest. Even like every single time he'll like, I'll say, he'll send me a clip during the week. And I'm just like, like, I'll end up being like, Oh, sometimes you're like, Oh, I I actually saw this already. And like, I thought similar, I just, you know, was going to wait till practice, but he's always on top of that kind of stuff. And I think, um, you know, a guy like Pacer who, you know, has his own lacrosse kind of coaching going on during the week for his for pressure. like, he's such an intelligent player. He's such an intelligent coach that for all of that, like, he makes things really easy for all of us around or or around all of us as well. Um, And when you have guys like that, that are just students of the game, it can really take them from, you know, being a player that like is good to being a player. That's like really phenomenal. Uh, Another player that's become
0: really phenomenal is Tanner cook. How impressed have you been with his jump in his second year?
2: Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And you know, I have all the faith in the world that cooker will continue to, you know, escalate his game. I it's, it's funny. Cause like I look at him and I kind of think of myself in the first like few uh, seasons of when I was playing is you're kind of that like bigger body that's, and especially when dobes was here, like my job was basically to, you know, go and set picks for dope so that we could open up his hands or I could roll off and, you know, be a threat there. And that's kind of how I feel like this situation is kind of lined up. Um, I'm not saying I'm nearly as talented as Dobie because I don't think that's true at all, <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's really cool. Cause I feel like I've been in those shoes before. So I, yeah. I know how I would like to receive feedback or, you know, re- have feedback returned to me because I'm just, I'm just so familiar with the situation. So it's um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think this is, where cooker will hit his ceiling. I think he'll continue to grow and you can see he's starting to develop an outside shot. He gets in those grimy areas. Um, he's really learning that pick and roll game, which is, can be so lethal when guys are like smart enough to know when to set a pick, how to set a pick and where to set a pick. Um, those are again, back to being students of the game. Those are things that you learn with, uh, with the coaching and the experience. And he's, uh, he's really starting to take off with all that kind of stuff. Uh, you've scored 49 points in your career
0: against the rush, uh, the most against any opponent in your career. What is it about playing
2: Saskatchewan that brings out your best? <laughs> um, I didn't know that, but it's, uh, I don't know that like, there's something about the rivalry there that has been created since, you know, even before I was here. Um, it's, it's just always something special to know how like it just feels like when they dominated for so long. so you always want to perform your best against them, especially I feel like we always play them in these like big crowd games where you know we played them last year on St. Patty's Day as well. we played them this year on St. Patty's Day and I think we just match up like fairly well against them with our again, we're built from the back end where our defense is so big and so strong. And then they're athletic to run up and down the floor, obviously. So I think that really tailors to our game for a matchup against them. Um, When guys like Mano and, uh, you know, Jeff are matching up there against their better players. It's Jeff's so familiar with their offense, obviously coming from that team. He has a good idea how things work over there. So he's giving his insight for what he thinks. And I just feel like we have, we're a good matchup there.
0: Uh, You will obviously get the marquee going against their defense guys like Dilks and and Rubish. What is it like every shift going out against some of the best D
2: guys in the NLL? Oh, it's so hard. And those guys, (laughs) uh, those guys obviously don't make it easy because, you know, a lot of times when you play teams, like they usually have bigger guys that are you know, they're there because they're big and then they want to keep you out of the middle. And then you have other guys that are like a little bit smaller, but they're so intelligent. So they play smart, but now you've got guys like Dilks and Rubish who are like, are both of those things. And it's like, great. So like, I have to like try and beat them in so many different ways. And we have to try and beat them as an offense in so many different ways. And that's where I think we're really successful is when we're like, we shared the ball so well last game that you know, kind of took out, like they were kind of trying to help out everybody else because we were swinging the ball so much. And that's where as an offense, we can be so much more effective I think when we're swinging the ball, well, and the ball's touching, everybody's sticks and you're changing, you know, the depth of the ball when, you know, it's not always staying, you know, up on that 45 and swinging back to the 45 on those sideboards, you can get the ball low into the corner and it just, it makes the defense move and it makes people's head turn. And it's it, that's where we need to continue to, to play, and that's what that'll continue to make us successful. I think
0: uh, you guys got two games or you're two games back of San Diego for first in the West, and you got one game against them in your <clears throat> main five. How important is it for you to guy for for you guys to secure home floor advantage through the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I think that right now, like our goal is obviously to just secure a spot in those playoffs. Um, you know, whenever you can get home floor advantage, it's always exciting, it makes tri- the travel easier. It makes you know, your, your game day routine's a little bit easier. Everything's a little bit easier. So if you can secure those that first game for home floor, that's great. But I think our focus right now is just trying to make the playoffs. And to do that, we have to first win this game this weekend against Saskatchewan. And then uh, we'll look towards the next week kind of once that's finished off.
0: We mentioned, you know, you guys are built from the D out with Christian Del Bianco and, and that defensive unit. But the transition game for you guys is the best in the National Cross. A couple of games ago, you guys had seven goals out of your back end. How much pressure does that take off of you as an offense when those guys, you know, Shimmer and Courier and Jeff and Mano and Wild are even scoring goals, big goals for you guys? So how much, you know, more freedom do you guys have in offense when you know you can get goals from your transition D?
2: Yeah, I almost look at it as like, from my perspective, is that, (laughs) I don't know, and maybe this is just my stubbornness and like our stubbornness as an offense is like, when you see the defense scoring that many goals, you're like, okay, like, they're doing their job and they're doing our job right now. Like we need to contribute here. (laughs) So obviously like it does let you, like if you're winning, like it's great. And you're, you're, you can play a little bit looser, but if you're like, if it's a tight game, it can be a little bit nerve wracking because you're like, obviously we're not getting anything going on offense because the defense is scoring. And when that happens, like there's a lot of times that you're not actually getting possessions on the floor. And that can be really tough because if you're going every, you know, two minutes compared to like every one minute, that's like half the possessions if you think about it. So, it makes it really hard to get in with flow. But at the same time, like, if they're scoring goals, we're getting the ball back right away, and we're getting right back out there on offense, and we're getting our reps. Like, it's kind of a double-edged sword. But also, like, you are—it's it, it, also how our team is kind of built. It's like we want to score a lot of goals in transition. we want to score a lot of goals, um, in settled five on five when we can, and then you kind of have to take those goals, uh, that you can potentially get on the power play. Those are kind of the three main ways that you get goals in this league. And if you can distribute them like relatively evenly throughout a game, or if you can have a little bit more on the offensive side and then, you know, a few goals in transition and then a couple power play goals, like, I think that's kind of optimal for how you want to win a game. Um, so it definitely, there is a sense where, yes, it does take a little bit of stress off us because we just continue scoring, continue scoring, continue scoring. And then at the same time, there's also, you know, that little bit of peace where it's like, hey like we need to get out there and we need to contribute and we need to do something on offense so that our defense is completely wiped from playing defense and then run down the entire floor and scoring. Yeah. So um, I think that there's been a little bit more trust with our D guys this year where, you know, they're, they've just gotten a lot stronger martyr with the way that they're transitioning the ball. Like they know when to take those shots. They know that like, okay, like I got down here. It's a two-on-one that's kind of stale. Like let's pull it out. We're up by two. And like like that's got a good set. Like I feel like there's a relatively good understanding of when is a good time to go and when isn't where I don't think not so much that it hasn't been that way in the past, but I just think it's developed been developed really well into our Uh, transition guys which is is so important for an offense and then also so important for a defense because that means you're getting off the floor and you're getting the rest that you need
0: before i let you go um obviously you you made the announcement you're going to go to the pll this year uh return to the pll and play with the boys of the chrome what was that decision like for you was it hard um and do you think we'll see more guys kind of opt for pll over the canadian summer leagues
2: yeah, it, it was definitely a hard decision. Um, I feel like I poured like quite a lot of my time and my my energy in the summers into playing for Victoria, and it's such a special place to play, as you know. Um, obviously, like if there was this option there when you were playing, like that you might feel the way that I do as well. Um, so it was a difficult decision. Uh, at the end of the day, like you kind of need to do what's best for yourself in some situations, which feel like a lot of the time I don't really do. Um, so I'm trying to make a decision, what's going to be best for me and my body and, uh, what's going to prolong my career coming up on, you know, 31 this summer. Um, so I I am excited. It it, it was hard decision. And then when I talked to coach Sudan about, you know, playing, he, he just has so much faith and so much, um, you know, like respect for my game that it made it really easy at the same time for me to just say yes. And like, continue with what I already thought I was going to be doing. Um, It's a little bit less games in the summer. Um, There is more travel, but uh, I do think that the league is that PLL league has just taken such a good step in the right direction as far as supporting guys. And you know, the marketing is obviously off the charts and guys are having a lot of fun from what i've heard playing in the summer as well which is you know obviously you want to have fun but you want to try and win you know a championship or whatever level you're at so i think that's going to be a fun piece where joining the chrome they obviously just came off of a uh, a win in that championship series that was hosted um so you know that the parts are there and you know you that i'm hoping that i can just you know be a small pu- piece of that puzzle to contribute and as far as more guys going um, it's, it's tough because it's such a small league still where there's only like eight teams. So there's very limited spots. And even for myself, like I'm just hoping to make the team at this point and, you know, contribute in a small way. Whereas like, uh, unless there's going to be more spots available soon, there's so many kids coming out of college these days that are so talented, so athletic, so young that they're, they fill those rosters like pretty quickly and like pretty dynamically that it's, it's a hard, they're hard teams to make. So guys obviously will take the chance and try and, you know, try out for a team and make it if they don't play, you know, I imagine they would play in the summer, wherever their respectable teams are. But, um, as for right now, I, I'm not really sure, like if guys will take the step or more guys will take a step or less guys. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the summer leagues react to a lot of these yeah. guys, like big players that are, are starting to go and play in this league because it's, Again, the summer is such a you know if you're living in a town with a team it's such a respected game there and it's it's what brings a lot of that community together so I hope that uh, they can do something to to change that
0: and saying no to Tim Sudan isn't an easy thing to do is it?
2: <laughs> no, I had to do it last year and I told him no. Like, I was like, man, like, I might come back and like, you do something where like, no, I could pick up my rice. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll just put you on the holdout list. I was like, great. Like, <laughs> let's never say never. And I'm really glad I didn't because, especially talking with my partner and like, obviously, it's more time away. It's, uh, I had to make sure that I got the go ahead there, like, being okay with that. Um, and she fully supports my career. So I'm so lucky in that department. And then, know it's more time being away from victoria in the summers which also is going to affect my golf game drastically (laughs) yeah yeah um how's your dog handle it yeah i mean she's already kind of used to me going away like it's one of the better parts of my of my week when i come home and you know you know that feeling when you come home and your dog's just there waiting for you so it's uh I think she'll be fine, but uh, you know who knows? She might eat me by the end of summer. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, you got a big game this weekend against the Rush. Uh, pack an extra parka, some long johns, and uh, hopefully your guys' gear makes it there and back this weekend. <laughs> and uh, appreciate the time I do to Always respect your game, and uh, thanks for chatting.
2: Thanks, Daddy. You have a great day. All right, there's
0: Jesse King, and I asked him at the end about the decision to move to the PLL and he and I had talked on and off about this kind of leading up to it and, and, and after and one of the things that we kind of talked about was just for the sake of a better lack of a better term quality of life and the fact that you know, the PLL is taking care of their players, just like the NLL takes care of their players. And a lot of people feel like the CLA and the WLA and and MSL don't really do as good of a job with that, whether it's, you know, the reffing, whether it's travel, whether it's payment, whatever. I wonder, despite the PLL saying, you can't play in our league and the Canadian summers at the same time. Do we see more guys saying, you know what? I think my body could use a bit of a rest and playing every other week or every few weeks in the PLL for a little bit more scratch is the better option for me. And Jesse made the point saying, you know, there's not, you know, 300 spots like there is in the NLL there's only 120 or so in the PLL so the numbers aren't exactly there for all those guys to kind of go down and play and you have to pick and choose and you're getting more and more guys coming in from the NCAA every year do you think we will see
1: a few more guys this year make that move like Jesse King did I couldn't see why not. I mean, we are we are seeing more interest. Like we saw Eli McLaughlin um, mm-hmm. join the Redwoods. Um, you know, I I have heard that there are other, you know, non-traditional field guys that are looking to jump into the game. And they might not be guys that have played MLL or PLL recently. Maybe some of them have played D1. Some of them maybe not even are just KUFLA guys like a Latrell Harris. Just yeah. has jumped into the game like i know there is some interest out there that probably not for this year but for seasons upcoming and they're yeah. having conversations with their buddies that are in the nll and that also play in the pll and they're putting names forward um like for example i know Ch- challenge rogers is a different story but you can't tell me that tom triber and latrell harris did not play a big role in oh, rogers shoot. switching sides percent. and and going to the archers so i think mm-hmm. over the next couple of years yeah we're going to see an influx of canadians you also got to think i think the pl is probably going to want to add a couple of more teams yeah they have enough talent in that talent pool to add a couple more um so i think that's get, that's going to happen i think there you're always going to get your guys that are just okay that have you know really good jobs um in canada and that are totally fine with whether they're in the WLA using their weekends, you know, to play there, or, you know, they don't mind on a Thursday going to Peterborough and and playing in front of, you know, great fans. Like they're, they're going to be cool at that. But there is, I think a younger age group that is realizing that this sets them up better financially. Mm-hmm. It allows them to get closer to being a full time all year round lacrosse player. Um, and it, it might benefit, might benefit them um, better down the run as well as short-term financially.
0: Week 17 in the National Lacrosse League is upon us, and much like last weekend, every team is in action. It starts on Friday. This isn't a thumbs down, but it probably could have been, and it's kind of comparison to your we need Sunday, fun day lacrosse. We can't be having what is that seven games on a Saturday all within a couple hours of each other, you know, obviously it's tough. We all know the, the, the workarounds, the NL has to do to get into some of these arenas and and get floor time and arena time and and all that. I get it, but man, it is going to be a tough Saturday to watch all seven of those games, but it starts Friday, San Diego at Panther city. We break down a lot of these games on coast to coast this week, but what do you think the biggest X factor in this game is going to be between San Diego and Panther city.
1: I think for Panther city is can Nick day steal a game here. Can, can mm-hmm. he stand strong? Can, can he continue his impressive season um, on the flip five flip, flip side for San Diego? Um, it's also their goaltending. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, if we get a solid steady performance from either Frank or O'rig, or, or I think we're probably going to see Chiliano, who's been pretty solid, I would say, over the last three weeks. Yeah. He just needs to be solid because we know this Panther City offense is explosive. Um, they're dynamic. I, I think that's going to be the biggest factor here is in between the net for both teams. Yeah, I think I agree with that.
0: I think San Diego's got to get a little transition going. You know, yep. They've got some incredible athletes back there. Trey LeClaire, Danny Logan, Cam Holding, Drew Belgrave, um, Graden Bradley. They got to get those guys kind of scoring a little mm-hmm. bit more. I haven't actually gone back to, and, and looked at the numbers since um, we said the stat on a TSN game way back. The fact that San Diego was only throwing like 5% of their breakout passes within five to 10 yards of center. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't gone back and looked at that, but. I, I really believe that if San Diego kind of wants to compete and, and I, I always feel like I'm, I'm I'm, talking about a San Diego team that's like 500 and not a San Diego team that's 9-2 and two. when I say I think they need to get better at this or they need more consistent this. Like this is still the best team in the West and we're still trying to like nitpick things. Um, But I I truly believe they need to find a little more consistency in their transition game. And the fact that Buffalo is going to be waiting at home, I think they need to kind of get in and out of this game unscathed and and with a lot of confidence and not have it be uh, an overtime or or just a real endurance battle. They need to kind of play as a championship caliber team and impose their will on Panther city because they know what's waiting for them at home. And I think a big way for them to kind of get a comfortable win is if they can get that transition game going. So uh, that is the only game on Friday night, Saturday. It all starts in the capital city of the state of New York, Toronto at Albany. The Rock coming off that big loss to Halifax. Uh, You mentioned on coast to coast, it can't be a trap game when you're coming off a loss but this is a huge game for Toronto if they're going to want to get first place in the East.
1: And it's evidently clear that that's what they want. It's yeah, sure. You know, they're, they're not rushing back a Mitch to Chris Corbeil, uh, even Challen Rogers at this point, they're being very conservative, but at the same time, they know they can because look at the depth that they have look at Phil Mazzucca. Yeah. You know, he, he's continuing to contribute in transition. Adam J, like these guys that have kind of been in and out of the lineup. Um, Jamison Dilks, like these guys were scratches or practice rate roster players at some point. Now they're in the lineup and co- contributing. They don't really have to rush back their superstars because yeah. they're still winning games. Yeah, sure, they dropped one to Halifax. But at the end of the day, that fan base in Hamilton – is rocking um they just continue to increase their ticket sales more and more and more and more and they realize like you know if they can have home floor advantage the entire way it's going to increase their their chances of winning a championship now that being said they realize that a big opportunity was dropped last week with buffalo losing Mm -hmm. and then they lose so this is an opportunity now where they need to get back on the horse. And if you look at the remaining schedule, it's not easy, no. but they think they can do it. And they think they can jump Buffalo. Uh
0: Toronto's remaining schedule, Albany this weekend, Buffalo, Philly, Buffalo. Good luck. It, yeah. and,
1: and basically you basically, going to come down to those two games against yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. Really. And I
0: think you mentioned that a few weeks ago, that that first place in these would be decided in those final two games. Um <laughs> Remember last week on coast to coast, we were talking with Dan Craig and we we're like, where the hell the Iceman nickname come from. And he's yep. like, yeah, Shay gave it to me. Do you think they call Phil Mazooka
1: the bazooka? Uh, they'd have to. I mean, that's a no brainer sitting yeah. right there. Right. Yeah. They'd have to like, uh, I think it was in his, on his first career goal a couple of weeks ago, John Abbott said a bazooka from <laughs> it. Right, so. It
0: was in transition on the run. I remember that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: A battle for fourth place between Halifax and Philadelphia, Uh, both teams six and seven. Uh, You know, we talk about playoff races. It doesn't get any tighter than this in in these two teams. uh, Halifax obviously in first place because they hold the tiebreaker on the Philadelphia wings. But is it safe to say who wins this locks down fourth? Still obviously a lot to play for, but
1: obviously puts themselves right in the driver's seat. I would say, yeah, I think it's it's driver's seat. They still have to take care of business the rest of the way out. Um, and when you look at both their remaining schedules, I think you could maybe say Halifax's is, is a little bit easier. Um, but again, I, I do think that this, once the season's over, the regular season's over, I think both teams can look at this game and say, you know, that was the difference maker. Maybe you even look back at, the first game of the season where Halifax blew them out of the water. Um, Maybe one of the, maybe if Philly's on the outside looking in, maybe they're looking at that game as well, being like Mm -hmm. that, that really ended up biting us in the ass. But if you think it's going to be the same matchup we saw then think again, this Philly team's so much different. They're at home. Um, This sneakily might be the best game of the week um i i have to give you credit you said the other week mitch jones
0: if he if the wings get into the playoffs you gotta consider mitch jones for an mvp and my god has he been playing some (laughs) incredible lacrosse right now like it is ridiculous what he is doing in
1: such a short period of time with this club it's gross he's he's changed the complete dynamic of that offense like they are dangerous now it's opened up more space like don't get me wrong, Blaze was having a really good season before that. Um, like a career year, it's elevated even more. Like it, it, the, it's just completely different. And don't get me wrong, Jones was having a solid season with Vancouver, but now it's gone to you take the small sample size. Like if he was with Philly this entire year, like he might be up there in points um, close to what Teet and what Dane Smith are doing. He's oh, yeah. still in third. 91 he's points, 91 points. <laughs> like he's
0: played seven games and he's third on the team in scoring with 56 points. It's insane. That is ridiculous. Um, you mentioned uh, strength of schedule uh, down the, the road. Philadelphia's got Halifax this weekend. Then they have Rochester, Toronto, Albany, Rochester. That is not easy compared to Halifax who has Philly this weekend And then four teams below 500: Georgia twice, Saskatchewan, and the New York Riptide. All those teams, Georgia, Saskatchewan, New York, playing some of their best lacrosse of the season. All right, let's continue on. A rematch of last week in Calgary at Saskatchewan is going to be cold in Toontown, but it is going to be rocking inside SaskTel. This is a massive game for both clubs. Obviously, Saskatchewan trying to get into that playoff hunt. Reese Dutch's first game uh, with his new club. I had to go back and kind of look, but it is crazy to think that this is what now Reese's one, two, three, four, fifth team in his career, but it's the first time he's ever been traded. What? He'd never been traded before. Vancouver released him, Calgary released him, Halifax released him, Colorado released him.
1: Wow! I'm sorry, I w- Colorado traded him. Wow, I I would have assumed there was a trade in there somewhere, but that that is wild, right? So, um, Dutch's new new
0: home in, in Toontown. Obviously, he's he's always played Calgary well in his career. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how they fare. But you know, this is one of the better rivalries in the National Lacrosse League. These clubs just do not like each other. Uh, they always play great lacrosse, but for Calgary, if they want to get that first place in the West, home for throughout, uh, they got to continue winning games. And if Saskatchewan wants to get into the playoffs, they got to start winning games. It, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out because, like I said, it was a rematch of last weekend. Mm-hmm. Calgary kind of had the control of that most of the game. They seem to have Saskatchewan's number. But we'll see how things play you, out.
1: You mentioned Reese Dutch. Yeah. And playing well against Calgary. Well, in 37 career games, he scored 80 goals, 128 assists for 208 points <laughs> against next, Calgary alone. Against Calgary alone. The next is Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. 36 games, 182 points. He's averaging just about five. 0.62 points per game against the riggers. So yeah, these teams don't like each other. Well, their newcomer obviously likes these matchups because he lights the lamp. What's the the depth? Was Einstein said the definition of of insanity is is uh, ex you know doing the same ex, thing over and over again and expecting a different result? Yeah, that is me with the Saskatchewan Rush right now. I think every single week is going to be their get right week, but the last what three, four weeks, four. it's been the same thing over and over. I'm expecting the breakout offensively. I'm expecting bouquet to, to play like not even at what we saw at the start of the year, but just, you know, make the saves that need to be made made. And the defense is holding up their bargain. They're playing great young transition players, stepping up, scoring big goals, but this offense just looks so disengaged and uninspired. Maybe the trade of Dutch will ironically give a little bit of, uh, of jolt to that offense. And the fact that we've talked about it at length, we won't get into it too much more. The fact that Mark Matthews is going to have the ball in his stick a little mm-hmm. more, maybe this is the switch up that this team needed. February
0: 4th, Saskatchewan at Vancouver you remember what happened that night? I don't. It was the bouquet F bomb. Oh, TSN. and they have gone one in five. Oh. Yikes. Don't swear on TSN kids. <laughs> don't swear on TSN. Um, Godzilla is coming to San Diego. Um, As San Diego returns from Panther City, they will head home. They will take on Buffalo. They'll be wearing their Godzilla jerseys. Um, I thought they were doing like superhero night, but I guess it's just Godzilla night. Um, But more importantly, the Buffalo Bandits and the San Diego Seals and what some think could be a NLL finals preview. Uh, Buffalo will be rested, ready, waiting. We talk about... the the momentum teams have in in playing the second game of back-to-backs. And we saw it with Philadelphia over the weekend that they win that game. uh, They play that first game against Georgia. They have to go on the road. They go on the road the next day and they come out like gangbusters and they have tons of energy and they're Mm -hmm. using that momentum from the night before. But as you saw in that second half, they kind of went downhill. They lost a lot of energy. They allowed Mm -hmm. Rochester back in that game. Obviously, they win in overtime. But will San Diego be able to get 60 minutes of energy after having to travel back from Panther City against the Buffalo team that is pissed off and ready to kind of right the ship again?
1: I think so, because I think they're going to have a nice travel. I, this is just speculation. I didn't hear anything. There's no indications. Just this is me guessing. I think they might maybe charter a flight on their way home from Panther City the night before, probably sleeping in their beds or sleeping in in their usual hotel rooms that they normally sleep in for the guys that aren't in market. Um, They'll be able to make it to morning shoot around. So that's my belief, at least that's certainly what I think. But you bring up a great point. The the starts are always there for the back-to-back. Can they hang on and keep that momentum in the second half against a Buffalo team that, for whatever reason this year, are a second-half team? Yeah, I think, you know,
0: second halves are huge, and you need to be able to find that extra pep in your step as those games go along. So we'll be, see how San Diego does. Um, you know Patty Merrill is going to have that group going I wonder if they kind of play a couple different bodies in that second game uh just to kind of have fresh legs Colorado at Vancouver Timbers in the house are you a fan of Timber
1: I love Timber I uh, I mean I was kind of Timber disappointed the na- was disappointed they went away with the party Sasquatch name or whatever it was supposed to be well, but he's but, yeah, still a love party it. Sasquatch is just True. named Timber true true fair enough fair enough I like it I think it's good um, I think it fits kind of the vibe of, of a Warriors game that they're kind of really leaning into the party um, atmosphere and yeah I don't know I love it I think they did a really good job I love the launch with the videos the teasers I thought uh, A plus A plus all around Hammer Jackson's really become a media darling he has
0: <laughs> um, obviously this game is a bigger than a party Sasquatch um, Vancouver was playing good lacrosse. Uh, they obviously ran to a bit of a buzzsaw buzz uh, a couple weekends ago. If either of these teams are going to, well, Colorado is the team that's kind of racing for the playoffs, but Vancouver can play a little spoiler right now. Um, you know, as much as they don't want to be that team that has the first overall pick, uh, they got to start winning some games. Aaron Bold versus Dylan Ward's always a, always a beauty matchup.
1: It's a vintage matchup. Really? Like mm-hmm. I, it's, it's so it's awesome. That that bold is, is playing at such an elite level at this point in his career. Like, I think it's one of the sneaky best like storylines of the year. It yeah, really yeah. is. I think, I think obviously Vancouver not being in playoff contention kind of takes away from it, but Vancouver can pick up a couple more wins the rest of the way and, and at least get themselves to like a, a half decent record. Um I, how could this not be one of the top five, 10 storylines of the year? It's great. And we talked about it last week or a couple of weeks ago, couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, and if you thought that, you know, maybe he's, he's going to hang him up after this year when he was, you know, cut from Halifax and then brought here. And a lot of people just assumed, Oh, it's a mentor role. Well, nope. He's playing. He <laughs> believes he's a starter yeah. and you better believe he's going to be working his tail off in the off season making sure he's ready and and he's taking that number one job in vancouver
0: final game of the weekend rochester at las vegas it's tucker out lymphoma night head over to the desert dogs youtube page of the social media um building the pack episode three is out and it's all about the importance of being braver than brave and the legacy that is tucker williams i I'm sure we all know the story, but if you are new to the NLL and you're new to the Williams family and the Tucker out lymphoma night, it is an incredible endeavor. And I almost thought, you know, when, when I realized that Vegas was doing it in Vegas and Buffalo is still doing it, I know there's not a lot of ties with Sean Williams with some of these other organizations, but I think this has just become such a strong movement for the national lacrosse. League. And I know we do cross out cancer night for most of the teams, I would love to see the Tucker out lymphoma night be just a a league wide initiative. Yeah. Every team does it like, let's, let's, you know, all cancer fucking sucks. Like we get that, right? Like no one can say that it's not, but let's just for lack of, again, lack of a better term, let's pick our lane and let's be our lane lymph Burkitt's lymphoma and let's just raise every single dollar that we can and have Tucker out night across the NLO. Maybe it's one weekend. Maybe it's teams just pick and choose their weekends, but every team should be doing something like this. I think it would be a great night, but on on a bigger scale, Rochester at Vegas, the Nighthawks trying to keep pace. Vegas scratched and clawed. Maybe uh, the loss this last weekend kind of takes them out of a playoff hunt, but um, this is going to be a fantastic game considering that Vegas has Rochester's first round pick next year.
1: There's a lot of storylines here. There's a ton of storylines. And I, it, you know, obviously when you look at it from a game standpoint, it's hard to take away the bigger picture and, and with the Tucker out lymphoma night, it's going to be an emotional night. And you even hear in that video, as you mentioned, you know, Zachary says like we have to temper our emotions and it's like you can get too high and get caught in those emotions, but also you can use those emotions to your advantage and allow something that is bigger than the sport motivate you play for Sean play for Tucker play for the Williams play for everyone mm-hmm. who's gone through this terrible disease and, and use that emotion to your advantage. And I think it's going to be an unbelievable effort from Vegas. I think they're going to give everything they can to come out on top, but they're playing a tough Rochester team. Uh, again, another Rochester team that come off a, a disappointing overtime loss. And I don't think you can play the letdown card because of it. If they, if they were to beat Philly in overtime, this would be the perfect letdown spot. It's a, it's in Vegas. First time these guys are going, Um, Vegas is almost out of it the emotions will be running Um, but the fact that Rochester dropped a huge advantage or a a huge opportunity to Mm. keep pace with Toronto keep pace with Buffalo they're not letting this one go without a fight and I think this this is going to be an unreal game if Christian
0: Del Bianco was one and maybe Nick Rose is two Is Ryland Hartley the third best goal in the NLL right now?
1: I think if you're looking at like just this year Mm and in a nutshell, for sure. I think, how could you not? I think, I I honestly think he should be getting votes for, for MVP, not only goaltender of the year. Um, He is so important to that team. Two weeks ago. Yeah. He let in 18 goals, but clearly he was banged up. It wasn't his best. He still made 40 plus saves last week making, you know, arguably one of the saves of the year. Um, Like (laughs) you mentioned it when Rochester looked awful in that first half, awful. Mm -hmm. He kept them in that game. Um, I know they didn't win, but he was the reason why it was a close game in that first half. So for me, it's a no brainer. Um, He is a special goalie. He's a special talent and he might be one of the best goalies this year. It's not going to be long until he's doing that consistently on a yearly yearly basis and we consider him one of the top goalies in lacrosse
0: yeah there's there's a goaltender of the year award in his future no doubt about it um the buffalo bandits blew it for us in the parlay let's try to hop back on the horse another round of box bets
2: time now for box bets your source for all the lines odds and
1: props from across the world of lacrosse brought to you by coolbet.com
2: Stay cool. Bet responsibly.
1: <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads, and uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, let's have it. All Do right. You hate the Buffalo Bandits or what? We don't. We don't. That's we should. We should have known better. You said it. It's the Kryptonite of the Bandits when Dylan Ward of the Mammoth rule to town. Um, they look sharp, and that's on not necessarily us. That's on the voters. But, hey, so, it is what it is. It was close. Calgary won with relative ease. New York won with relative ease. It's fine. We'll get back to it. So I was looking at the schedule, and as you mentioned, like, damn, it's it's a tough slate. Mm-hmm. It's a really tough slate. So talking to the folks, the odds makers at Coolbit, and they had a great idea. Why don't – the OTCB listeners and the cool betters take a little stroll to Patty's prop shop. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. I took three props. So we don't have to worry about winners or losers. And I went with arguably three of the best lacrosse players on the planet. Tom Schreiber over three and a half goals. Lyle Thompson over two and a half goals. And Jeff Goddamn teat over seven and a half points. Exclusively, you will not get this bet anywhere else but at coolbet.com. And you'll get the price at plus five fifty-five. Captain America
0: over three and a half. Dehaas over two and a half. And Jeff, goddamn teat over seven and a half. Uh Plus 555. That is a ridiculous number. And if you listen to Coast to Coast this week, uh, my hot burning take was that Jeff Teat would be the fastest to uh, 1,000 points. And the numbers that he's putting up is ridiculous. So um, if you don't think he can get seven and a half points this weekend, you obviously haven't been watching Jeff Teat play lacrosse because uh, the guy is a mutant. He never shoots the ball more than like 87 miles an hour, but it looks like it's going 110 and he's just that goddamn good.
1: I, I, we probably should have talked about this more last, well, when we were going through the slate, but what he finished with what nine, 10 points last game on only like 13 rush goals or sorry, not rush, um, riptide goals like he just what we're seeing from him it's it's insane like no one has ever done this i know it's only two years and is it is it hard for him to keep up this pace for x amount of years yeah it is but why would we believe that he's not going to and i know it was your hot take i don't think it's that hot of a
0: take man i know no
1: no before. it's fine because it, it, it you had to bring it up because it is so eye-popping and it seems ridiculous because no one thought anyone was gonna you know even come close to jt's numbers and be able to come that close to achieving what he's he was able to do so quickly but what he's doing right now is insane and kudos for you to, to break that down and, and figure it out because when you sent it to me my jaw hit the floor 13 games he's got eight games of eight or
0: more points
1: (laughs) stupid that's so stupid
0: uh if you want to get into the fun head over to coolbet.com or coolbetcanada.com on the left side features tab otcb parlay is there the last class boys parlay is there uh if you want to join the fun use promo code otcb uh before we get out of here patty what are you binging on netflix
1: What am I binging right now on Netflix? I honestly like. What are you binging right now? Nothing. I haven't watched anything over the last couple of weeks. I've been in pure sports mode, to be quite honest. But I watched the the uh, the Malaysian airline documentary. The uh, oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah
1: about the missing plane. Yeah, yeah. I really That that, but I hear the. The Waco, Texas apocalypse is on mm. my watch. Okay. Uh, a couple of my buddies said it is. It must see TV, so that's on my list. Um, I've got a weekend off of, of of not calling a lacrosse game this week, so mm. maybe maybe I'll dive into that during the day.
0: We'll have um, to see. But the, uh, what about
1: you? The what downfall. You
0: the downfall of United Airlines was a pretty good one, if you don't mind. You know, hearing about planes that just completely drop out of the sky. But okay. um, I'm watching uh, the Wu Tang American Saga doc, okay. like a mini series, and we all know the correlation between Method Man and the PLL and how we play yeah. lacrosse. There is a, a not a full episode. De- I guess it's full episode, essentially dedicated to the character of Method Man and sort of his backstory. And there is plenty of lacrosse highlights in this episode. No way. No sure, way. they make him wear double zero, and another guy's number is zero five. <laughs> <laughs> but and they're using like old school back racks and like MXs and stuff like that. But it kind of kind of caught me off guard, and all of a sudden, Method Man walking down there with his stick and helmet, and out they're playing around. Like it was actually pretty cool. And, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know the backstory of Method Man from the Wu tang Clan that he actually played the cross growing up. But this, I actually kind of as I was watching i'm like oh i wonder like how far back in his storyline are they gonna go and sure enough big lacrosse scenes in this in this episode it was awesome i love that now which platform is that on because i I will Uh, i will be adding it. maybe okay like that's uh it's on apple tv and i think i think it's stars uh has it but uh wu-tang and american saga i'm still i think i'm like almost near the end of the first season there's three seasons so far um, I was caught up on Ted Lasso, I'm caught up on Mandalorian, I'm caught up on Bad Batch, so I was like, oh. A bunch of people told me, if you can get past the acting, it's actually a pretty good little miniseries, and I'm quite
1: enjoying it. All right, well, I'm 1,000% going to fire that up. I, Again, journal lacrosse season. Yeah, it's season, tough, I know. It's tough. It I'm house-sitting,
0: so I kind of got a little okay, there time go. on my hands. Okay, I
1: got some okay. time on my hands, so well, I thought I'd catch up. The, i mean with with traveling to halifax it's like the flight is so short it's almost hard to yeah. like fire things up so usually i'll just listen to podcasts but i i mean i binged i binged the entire netflix um full swing on my way mm. home from estonia uh, i'm headed to texas next week so uh i will be are the flight are you going to the valspar I'm going to the valley. Yes, yes. Patty. Yeah, so boots on the ground, watching our boy Taylor Pendrith. Um, I'll be there, so I will have some time. That is a little bit of a longer flight. I, mm-hmm. think, our, I think we fly into maybe Dallas Fort Worth. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, bit of a longer flight than just the hop, skipping a jump that we have for for Halifax. So yeah. maybe I'll put a couple episodes on for that one.
0: Yeah. Enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of cool. you know. I'm a, I'm a, Wu-Tang is for the children, as they hey. say.
1: <laughs> you sold me, buddy.
0: Uh, thanks to Jesse King for stopping by and giving us some time. Good luck to him and the Roughnecks boys. They take on the rush this week, and good luck to all the boys. Stay safe. Be healthy. Uh, he's Pac Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jaron, the show at OTCB underscore podcast, or find us on the INSAs at OTCB podcast. We are in week 17. Just five more Toronto, San Diego can clinch. Albany can be eliminated. How will it all play out? We'll break it down for you next time right here on the show. Enjoy the games. If you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. Take a friend, buy them a beer. Lacrosse, cross, friends, beers, perfect combination. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an apple.